Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Sumawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Caroline join us. Caroline, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself, your role, and your organization. Sure. My name is Caroline Holt. I'm the EVP of Revenue Enablement for EverFi, which is a global company based in Washington, D.C. And can you explain to our audience a little bit about uh, what the revenue enablement function looks like at EverFi? How is it structured and segmented to support all of the revenue teams um, across sales, account management, customer success, and others? Sure. Uh, So let me tell you a little bit about our organization because I think that helps with understanding the revenue org. So we are an education company. We've been around for about uh, 12 years. We actually got started during the the financial crisis. And what we do is we build social impact education programs for originally K through 12 students. And now we sell a lot of our preventative solutions in challenges like sexual harassment and um, uh, alcohol and drug awareness and prevention on campuses and uh, we we actually work with businesses, uh, colleges and universities as well as uh, K-12 institutions. And so what we've done is historically we've had a vertical focus. We have gone to market um, if we were, you know, selling to the higher ed space, we've had a revenue team and an account management team that has supported that group. And then this year, so actually 2019, uh, last year, we brought in our first chief revenue officer who had responsibility for all of those verticals reporting up into him. So Bobby Moran, who was our CRO, um, as part of what he is doing to try and uh, change our growth trajectory in an even more positive direction, it's been great, um, but we're, we're looking at how to grow to the next um, 200 million is he has aligned around first having all of sales and account management report up through one uh, one person ultimately and then have a number of centralized services that support each of those uh, revenue teams so we're still selling all of the products that we have historically but making sure that we have um, that we're able to achieve scale through centralized services so my team uh, which is revenue enablement I work closely with the talent and HR team on getting the profile right for our sales folks, making sure that we're hiring the right people, we have the right um, recruiting systems and processes in place. My team has responsibility for the sales onboarding development and readiness. Um, The second part of my team, which we call revenue assets, has responsibility for all of the prospect and customer facing tools. Um, So be those business intelligence tools like tech tools um, or the actual collateral that reps are using. So they are working, um, that that part of my team works closely with marketing, works closely with revenue leaders, works closely with revenue operations, making sure that we have the right tools and materials that we need. And then the third part of my team, um, we do a fair amount of requests for proposal. So while we we run traditional sales processes, we also have RFPs that we're addressing largely for um, uh, state and uh, some federal, but for for state institutions, a lot of our uh, higher education uh, clients use uh, the request for proposal process. So we've got a part of my team that does RFP responses and due diligence requests as a as a tech provider that supports. Um, highly regulated industries, we have a lot of due diligence work that we do as well. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, in your opinion, what are the core components of a revenue enablement function? 
So a lot of what um, what I do is actually partially designed by me, which is kind of cool. We, as as Bobby came in and we were looking at how. Um, the best way to optimize revenue enablement was in um, in 2020. We looked at where we had some critical challenges as a business, but also across all industries, what revenue enablement looks like. And <clears throat> you, you know, with this podcast, uh, revenue enablement is is kind of a relatively new term. Sales enablement, re revenue enablement. Uh, and it means a lot of things to a lot of different companies. So for some companies, it means sales training. For other companies, it means revenue operations and kind of the data piece. Uh, and then for other companies, it means something entirely different. So while we try and figure out exactly what that means across all businesses and industries, uh, what I fundamentally believe needs to be in a core, uh, the core components of revenue enablement are a combination of um, ensuring that we know exactly what we're trying to do as a business and making sure that all the pieces that enable revenue to be successful to make those goals and objectives work uh, is working in concert. So that's the combination of all of those great pe people across the business. It's really revenue enablement in my mind is really the way to um, maximize cross-functional collaboration uh, to support the revenue generation for the business. So it's not as easy as training or, or revenue operations and data. It's kind of how all those pieces play together and ensuring that the rep then has the tools that they need to understand what the business objectives are, how they get there, um, what tools they need to be successful, and then how to make sure that that customer experience is as strong as possible so that we are ultimately able to renew that customer and, and grow them over time. I love that, and I think that segues really nicely into my next question. Who are some of the core partners that you work with and need to get buy-in from in order to deliver successful revenue enablement programs? Sure. Um, I just literally walked out of an hour and a half of training that I did um, that uh, our chief product officer was saying, I don't know what we did before you got here. Uh, so we have, um, I work really closely with all of the C-suite folks um, across of our business that have some impact on the revenue organization, which is pretty much ev everyone, right? So whether it's the head of HR, whether it's the head of product, whether it's the head of marketing, um, and then all of their teams, right? So. I am in some ways an internal customer to some of those folks, and in other ways, uh, they are my internal customer. So I need to make sure that everybody is, is rowing in the same direction. So the training that I just came out of was, um, we're a SaaS company, and uh, but we have this whole professional services component. And so part of what many of our revenue uh, folks didn't quite understand is how our budgets are built. And so when we bring in bespoke or custom project builds to do, um, they're really sexy, really cool, uh, they're really expensive um, in terms of what we are able to often command as a price point. But <clears throat> on the product side, that puts a disproportionate amount of pressure on that group to deliver on new pieces that weren't actually on the roadmap to start with. So what our product side was feeling is anxiety around um, what they needed to be able to deliver for our current customers um, and what we needed to be able to deliver and have a margin on from a SaaS perspective. And then what our sales team was excited about was, hey, we're bringing in all these things. Why, why aren't we earmarking money in order to develop and build these? So the 
the cross-functional um, work that we just did took a couple weeks and what we, it was a combination of the COO, the head of product, uh, the head of product's whole team, um, the sales engineering team, the um, some members from our, our revenue team. We basically wanted to understand, and, and our finance team as well, we wanted to, to tell the story of what it means to be a SaaS company, how we make money as a SaaS company, how we um, identify what goes on to our product, product roadmap in terms of innovation and maintenance and renovation of our products and, and plus new development, and then um, what it is that they actually have to sell currently because um, what, we, what we were starting to get the impression was that um, because people didn't know exactly what was in their bag, they were actually defaulting to more of a customized approach than they really needed. So we wanted them also to learn about what was actually in their bag that they had, why it was powerful, create some new collateral that helped them be able to navigate it, because a lot of the, the materials that could have answered those questions um, lived in a lot of different places or in people's heads. So I'm using this example because revenue enablement isn't, I think when people think about revenue enablement being training or revenue enablement being Salesforce data, what they're missing out on is that it's really the opportunity to, to bring all these key stakeholders to the table, understand where the, the pressure points or pain points are. So the revenue person who's feeling like, I just, you, you the product team just doesn't get stuff into, mark, into my hands quickly enough, it's not, um, it's not sac sexy enough for what our prospects and customers need. Uh, they're missing why that's happening on the other end. So my job is to help understand where those uh, pressure points are, why those are challenges, how we fix them in the business, um, where we make you know priorities and trade-offs, and then make sure that people have both the knowledge and skill to be able to execute on that effectively, the collateral or tools to then be able to tell that story to the market, um, as well as some of the, you know, frankly, the, the accountability to then say, now that we've done this, um, if, you, if, you know, if you're continuing to do this in the same way, then we haven't actually made the behavior change that we want. And so that either comes back to me as we have to keep working on that, or that person that the, that the skill or will isn't there somehow, and we, uh, or the will perhaps isn't there somehow, if the skill um, we've already developed. Very interesting. And I think, um, you know, to that point, when you're partnering with so many different functions across the organization, alignment is hypercritical. How can that alignment help scale the success of sales enablement initiatives? Um, well, I think of sales enablement as my, most of my skill set from a sales enablement perspective comes a lot from my skill set as a high-performing salesperson, right? So if you build a product and you go in and tell a prospect or customer that they should buy this product and here's why um, and here's what's really great about it and you take them through all the features and functionality, um, <clears throat> some of them will buy your product. There's a certain percentage of them in that situation who will say, yeah, that's great, I will buy that. Um, there's a whole lot of them that will say, I'm not interested. And so Similarly, in sales enablement, if we go in and say, here's what we believe the solution is, uh, and here's why, and here's how I'm going to fix it, and here's what I'm going to do, we miss the opportunity to do the needs assessment uh, to understand what's actually a challenge for that particular internal or external constituency, um, why it's a challenge, how it's presenting for them, um, what, their, what their understanding of the situation is, what they believe um, might need to be fixed. And so if you, if you start with what you think the answer is, you, you tend to miss out on that needs assessment and we go right to the, the, the value. Um, and therefore we're trying to sell at somebody as opposed to sell with someone or sell, you know, or, or work collaboratively on something. So I think that a big part of alignment is understanding both what does that person or that team need to get accomplished? 
What is it that they need to get out of the revenue organization or the sales organization? How does the revenue organization or sales organization affect them in kind of day-to-day -day work? Um, where, you know, how do you start to create that collaboration and alignment on business objectives? Um, and then that starts to trickle into what we actually need to accomplish together. I think <clears throat> if you understand the needs of your internal stakeholders um, and they understand what's in it for them to work together, it's a lot easier to build something in a collaborative zone, even if you know what you think the direction is that you want to take from a revenue perspective or revenue enablement perspective. Um, it gives you more clarity and it, it enables you to work much more closely together because you feel like you have similar um, consensus-based objectives as opposed to uh, this is the stuff that the revenue team needs to get done and here's how I need you to help me get that done, which feels a lot more like um, I'm either going in and selling them something or I'm going in and telling them that they need to get on board, which is um, tough to, to, to create that um, interest if they are, are, are feeling voluntold as opposed to um, a collaborative part of the solution. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want to I want to pivot this a little bit um, because I think uh, it, there there's a lot of interest I think from enablement practitioners on getting a seat at the table with the executive leadership team um, to help build the business case for enablement programs. Um, do you believe that positioning your team as a revenue enablement team versus perhaps maybe a sales enablement team is is helping in that effect? Um, so revenue enablement, <clears throat> I think when we talk about sales enablement, um, that assumes typically the connotation of sales enablement is new logo. Um, and I think that does a huge disservice to, in particular, my role, but most revenue organizations' roles, which are, you know, include new logo, upsell, and renewal. And a lot of the sales skills or commercial skills that, that a revenue generator who's got a renewal responsibility or, or a book of business, um, it really undervalues their contribution. And so for me, we have, I have a revenue enablement title because I report up through the CRO. I have responsibility for both the net new and renewal as well as the upsell um, enablement for the business which has got a training component, an asset component, and a, um, you know, a, a proposal due diligence component. Um, so I think that the, um, you know, to the point of having a seat at the table um, and to the, the point that I made earlier about the alignment piece, I think if I'm, um, if I'm trying to position myself for what the organizational objectives are, that's the best way to get a seat at the table, right? If I understand what the business is trying to accomplish and how enablement, whatever you call it, plays a role in that, I have a much better likelihood of, of getting a seat at the table. But then more specifically, from a revenue perspective, if I'm only focused on the net new or sales side, then I'm less likely to have a seat at the table or a, be a trusted advisor to the entire revenue process. I'm, I'm more likely to be seen as the person who's there to set, support net new, which is a lot tougher to, to break in the first time, I think, from um, then, then have the, the renewal. That is not at all to say that renewals are easy. So it is easier for us to cultivate, develop, give a great customer experience to somebody um, that we've worked really hard to bring in the door and get as much as we can out of that lifetime value of that person. And I think sales enablement often focuses far too heavily on getting um, new logos into the business and not as much on the critical 
development, support, and engagement of um, the commercial teams that, that have responsibility for the renewal and, and upsell of their existing customer base. Fantastic. And I, I think you're right. I think that's a really great shift in mindset. Now, in closing, last question for you. What are some of the key metrics you think are most important to demonstrate the success of revenue enablement initiatives? Oh, that's a, that's a fun one. Um, so I think that every initiative, I think this also gets to the point um, about getting a seat at the table. So understanding what the business objectives are is the most critical piece of, it, of all of this. And whatever the initiatives are that the revenue enablement team, sales enablement team is focused on, needs to have a direct visible impact on some of those metrics. So I would say that um, obviously the, the, you know, the, the lagging metric is always revenue generation itself. Um, you know, are we able to convert more quickly? You know, are we of the, of the meetings that we schedule, whether they're net new or upsell, how many of those turn into opportunities? Of those that turn into opportunities, how many do we ultimately win? Of the meetings that we do, how many of them do we ultimately convert? What's our, you know, what's our conversion rate? What's our average price point, right? So are we seeing those numbers increase? Are we seeing the sales cycle time decrease? So from the time that we first start talking to somebody until we actually close that opportunity, are we seeing those numbers shrinking? But well, most other things are, are increasing. Are we increasing the number of um, the titles that fit into our ideal customer profile? I think this is actually an undervalued but really fundamental piece. Um, how many of the people that we should be talking to are we actually talking to? How many of the people we should be engaging with are actually our principal point of contacts at our customer organizations? Most um, Sales enablement organizations aren't thinking as much about that piece. So I, those are some of the metrics that I am interested in, whether it's training programs or assets. Are, they, are, we, are those designed to support those critical metrics that we care a lot about as a business? Um, you know, for us at Everfi, we're a SaaS company, right? So another metric that's really important to us is our margin. Um, when we, you know, when we sell, a, when we build a product and then sell it or license it to companies, the more times we're able to do that, um, at a you know seventy-five to eighty percent margin, which is great within SaaS, right? So, how many of our customers are we serving at less than a seventy-five percent margin? And and through the work that my team is doing, are we actually increasing that? Are we increasing our win rate on our proposals that are gone, you know, that are going through RFP, the, the actual capture rate of those? So there are lots of really great metrics. I think that it always comes down fundamentally, and, and the way that you get the seat at the table again goes hand in hand with this is um, what are the what are the metrics that the business is trying to accomplish this year and then how do the programs the tools the assets the resources that you have to support the sales organization enable them to do that more effectively I love that. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us today. I think, you know, your team that you're building there is very forward-leaning. So, kudos to you um, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.